Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast where flower girls are rampant. I'm Void and I'm here with my co-host Beej. Ooh, pretty. <laughs> Today we're talking about uh, Final Fantasy and Final Fantasy VII Remake demo and a little bit about Final Fantasy XV and maybe some fourteen. So we're kind of yeah, circling back around to Final Fantasy because we both played the Final Fantasy VII Remake demo in the last week and we wanted to talk about it and then we realized we had more Final Fantasy stuff at the same time. And it really surprises me that it, it kind of lined up like that for both of us. Almost, we didn't talk about it. We just were messaging about the uh, the demo, and then it was like, oh yeah, I'm doing this and this and this with Final Fantasy. And it's like, oh yeah, that's that's what we should talk about. Yeah, well, and I feel like 7 and 15 kind of go hand in hand. So actually, why don't we jump ahead? And what have you been doing right. in 14? Let's start with that, and then we'll come back around to these other ones. Yeah, because 14 I haven't been doing as much in, but it's like last month my house was going to be demolished. Like a long time ago, gosh, it was probably five or six years ago, my friends and I started playing on Leviathan. We pulled our money, bought this house and everything. And uh, when we all stopped playing, the house is still there for the free company. And so every so often, if nobody goes into it, it goes and frees up the the space for somebody else. And I couldn't stand to have the house demolished, so I went in and saved it from being demolished by resubscribing and Logging in, and I decided, you know what, I'm actually going to play Shadowbringers. I'm going to get to it, and so I've been doing a little bit of that. Um, Austin actually started playing again yesterday. He started playing Dragon Quest X, uh, the MMO, and I'll talk about that in Geekery this week. But um, it made him want to play Final Fantasy XIV again. So we've both been on and off a little bit, and uh, so who has any idea how much will either of us will be playing? But it's like if you're on Leviathan or want to, you can hit us up, and it's like I'll probably stick to the red mage as much as i want to play a different class than the red mage it's like that's the highest one i've got that's the one that i'll probably be able to get through the the store not Stormblood, the Shadowbringers content with. And I want a healer again, so I'll probably level up my White Mage, who is still in his 50s, I think, her 50s. And then I'm actually kind of tired of being the human lady I am right now. I was Heavensward, Heavensward and Stormblood. So I'm probably going to throw some money at the Mog Station and buy Fantasia to turn myself into something else. Uh, maybe back to a Lalafell like I used to be or something like that. Like, can you be, do you know if you can be those cool cat people uh, that are there when you unlock Gunbreaker, like the the main NPC that you're interacting with? Can you be that as a player character now? Um, I don't think so. That's the one that's kind of like a lion, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean, you can be cat people, but you can be like the default cat people that have always been there since yeah. the beginning of the game. Yeah, but not the, the, cool, the cool actual cat people. No, yeah, I don't I'll, think so. I can't remember, I don't remember what they're called, but I I like that model a lot. So I'll probably go back to being my little Lalafell because that's who I like better. <laughs> That's but fair. That's I mean that's what I'm doing in 14 right now. It's just it's just fun to mess around again in it. And I forgot just how comfortable the game is going back. I'm still not a big fan of the MMO conventions, but or uh conventions combat, I guess more than anything else, but it's uh the story is really really good in Shadowbringers and I'm super excited to see what goes on with it. Cool. Well, I'm glad that you're like back in the Final Fantasy mode and I'm sure that the 7 remake demo kind of plays a part too, right? Kind of does, because I went in with almost hostility toward this game. Like the demo came out, and it was my chance to see if... I decided to try it to see if it's as bad as I expected it to be. And uh, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't at all. Like 7, I did not 
I don't think this game should exist. And so I kind of went approached it from that angle. Like, I don't understand why they're remaking this one. That's so funny. Cause like, I was just like, yeah, okay, let's do it. Let's do a reimagining of it and get the fidelity up and, you know, let's see what they have to offer. Like I was on board from the beginning. So, um, I don't know. We both played it. We both played the demo and it's final fantasy seven, but it's been remade yep. and the combat is different and the fidelity is up and the story is expanded. And, it all kind of works for me. Like I, I like it. I was really happy with what I saw for the first hour and a half or however long the demo was. Yeah. It wasn't terribly long, but it was long enough to really get a feel for what the game should offer. At least it's uh, the combat is way better than I expected it to be. That was probably my biggest hesitation about this game is because it's got Nomura combat and he is uh, not my favorite square uh, developer director right now um like i like him but i think they've given him way too much to do and way too much influence on stuff so that that's why they've all felt like the fit kingdom hearts final fantasy 15 now the seven demo all of this they all feel very similar and it's because of him and i want something different out of them that's my biggest complaint about this one is that this one feels like final fantasy 15 light almost it which does. is a good game i like 15 but but you're not wrong like i thought the combat was it was fine right like i'm excited for the game but the combat itself it was just kind of it was fine it was not the best it was not the worst um you know i'm really curious yeah. to dig into like the materia system and to see what they're going to do with that because there really wasn't much of that in the demo like at all um Mm-mm. so i want to see you what's... see it like you see it in cloud sword you see that he has some materia in the buster sword but you don't really get to do anything with it yeah so i want to see what they have there but i mean it felt like Final Fantasy 15, except it felt more responsive and it, mm-hmm. the the pacing of it felt a lot better. Whereas in 15, I felt like it was always just like constantly attack and then every once in a while you have to dodge or like get out of combat to heal up. This felt more tactical. Like you actually had to think about, oh, I should guard sometimes. I should think about like how I'm building up my meter and then what abilities I'm going to use when I get my meter up to a certain point. I never thought about combat in Final Fantasy 15. I just executed the combat. Whereas in this Final Fantasy 7 remake demo, I thought harder about the strategy in this than I did through all of Final Fantasy 15. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, 15, as much as I liked the idea of the combat, um, I did not like the execution really at all. And that's one of the reasons that I've not gone back to it is because it just kind of became a jumble of things. And this one, I actually had to think about what I was doing. I'm not so sure if everything about it works because like i hate more than anything on this one i learned one thing i truly hate and the rest of it i liked okay like it was fine like you said i hate that using items takes a part of your atb like in other action rpgs you get to use items whenever you need to because you have items this one takes the place of a spell or an attack or something like that so you can't even potion yourself without having to attack 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 and build up your atb bar which i really did not like uh yeah i I didn't even notice that the items took up atb bar i was really surprised i didn't realize it until like it was during the boss fight i got hit by something stupid cloud and barrett both went way 
down in health. And so I was trying to potion myself back up and it was grayed out. And I was like, why in the world can I not do a potion? So I thought it was because I was moving. And so I stopped and I still couldn't do it. And I was like, I don't have a bar. I was like, they won't let me use a potion unless I have bar, unless I have that done. I was like, that really bothered me. Because, but it's not enough to make me not buy the game or anything. So it's just like, it's not my favorite combat that there is, but it's definitely uh, closer to Final Fantasy 15s than Kingdom Hearts, I would say. Yeah, and I mean, I think that it felt a lot more responsive to me than 15s combat, whereas in 15, yeah. I always felt like it was doing the last thing that I tried to do instead of what I was trying to do right now. <laughs> like, it yeah. was always a step behind. It was like, okay, but I hit that button. Like, let me do a thing. And I did not feel like that in the 7 remake demo. So it felt more responsive. And maybe maybe that'll hold up. Maybe it won't through more gameplay. But so far, I'm a lot happier with the changes that they've made to move away from like pure action combat and to find kind of this middle ground with strategy and abilities and stuff too so yeah. I, I really want to go back and replay the demo on classic mode where your mm. character is just like auto attack for you and the only thing you really think about is the stuff that you're doing with the atb bar i want to see what that feels like yeah, I'm curious about that one, too, where I'm assuming that just because of the way that it works, you're still moving your character around. I'm guessing. Like, you still do that part, because otherwise it's literally just standing there uh, clicking buttons every now and then, like yeah. not even exploring. So I would I would assume, at least. I never tried it. I should load it back up and try the classic mode, since it's supposed to be closer to turn-based. Yeah, and I mean, I think I, I just... I was fine with the combat in general, but I know the gameplay, like nothing in that stood out to me a ton it just felt like a third person like action controls but you said that some of the gameplay stuff was bothering you right it bothered me a little bit like there's no jump button that it, it has the jump like in older 3d zelda games like an ocarina of time where you run up to a ledge and then you automatically jump and that just feels weird in a game that is this beautiful i guess it's like you have this sense of freedom in this one and it's like i can't even jump over this box like i can't even run and jump in place or anything it's like i feel like i need a jump button in this game and it feels it made it feel confined if that makes sense to me if that makes sense to you i guess i just i don't know i guess i played enough games with or without jump that it doesn't really bother me um so that one that didn't bother me much i mean everything was contextuals like you run up to it and you have context sensitive actions and that was fine with me and i'm not ever a fan of context sensitive actions because like when you run up or something like that like you have to line some stuff up directly and so i would swap a meter or open a menu or do something if i'm just not facing a box directly and so that kind of thing i really it's in any game not just this one where i i'm i prefer a little wider range on the context menus coming up um I did notice that the buttons change their function based on whether you're in combat or not, like R2. So if you get aggro and by a monster and you're just kind of running around, like trying to get away, uh, like you are at the end of the demo, um, and you just expect to dash away without fighting, you are not going to. Instead, you are going to open up the tactics menu for a party member. <laughs> and it's just like, and it pauses everything. So instead of moving quicker away, it stops you, laughs at you, and is like, nah, do this instead, bro. It's like, that one felt really awkward to me when I was trying to do that. Like you couldn't even dash in and out of combat uh, because the button changed. And then like the big one for me though, and I know this sounds like I'm complaining a lot, but, but, but 
hear me out uh, like the character swapping you switch between party members with the d-pad and like that's a really good idea it's very quick it's very easy to swap back and forth but you press x the cross button i suppose as it's officially called you press x to open the menu instead of using the d-pad which like in kingdom hearts and other action rpgs you use the d-pad to navigate the menu while you use the others for uh for commands so it's like i constantly swapped party members when i was trying to cast a spell or use an item like i would have to open the menu to do that first with x and it adds that one little extra step that constantly made me uh confused in combat because i could never actually get it like get my my fingers to do right it's like that's how they've trained us that this is supposed to work why would they change it immediately in this one that one bugs me a lot i think that's where the fact that you played a lot more kingdom hearts than me comes into play because that didn't bug me at all like i really it wasn't a super intuitive setup but it took me maybe like two minutes to adjust and then i never thought about it again but i could see how i know you've played so many kingdom hearts games and they're all set up in a different way than this game is so i could see why it would throw you off yeah it's just muscle memory for me it's like when i need to go cast thunder on the boss i hit down and it's immediately back to cloud or it just immediately swaps back and forth i'm in a different spot in the in the entire room and it throws me off it's like it's 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 unintuitive and to me it's counterintuitive because of how bad it was but I liked the combat way more than I thought I would because I thought it was going to be kind of trudging from the way that the the video made it seem like and while the boss fight was way too long um I never thought that it was I never thought that the combat was slow like it felt like it was in the like it was going to be in the videos. Yeah, I guess I didn't feel like it was slow. I also didn't think the boss fight was too long. It was like 10 minutes. It was no big deal. It was really quick. Um, See, to me, that's way too long for a boss fight. I don't like long boss fights at all. Like I want them to be hard or challenging or something, but I don't want them to drag on and on and on, constantly repeating the same motions. It's like I want to be able to find the pattern, do the pattern, lose at the pattern, execute the pattern successfully a few times, and then move on. I don't want boss fights to take that long. I... Okay, I think you and I had a very different experience with the boss fight because I felt like every section you just learn the pattern once and then you stagger the enemy and then you just do a massive attack on him and then you go to the next phase of the boss fight. Like I didn't really repeat anything ever when I see for me, maybe I was doing it wrong, but to get him staggered and done everything, it just took forever for me. Okay, interesting. Okay, we'll have to pay attention to that when we get to the real game and see if that's a consistent thing throughout it or if that that was just like both of us adjusting to the new combat yeah, that system. was like player error on my part doing it wrong like as i was approaching it because it, it very well could have been then yeah but it felt super long to me like like trudgingly long in each phase like each phase lasted about 50 percent too long to me okay um and but i mean the rest of it outside of like the combat because that's the biggest change right well not the right. biggest change but it's like one of the most obvious <laughs> things to like dive in deep on but the story is huge. Like, that's why I'm going back to the game. I want to see what they've done with the story. And it's already right. obvious that the whole story, like, the story is going to be here, and it's going to be so much more fleshed out. And it was really interesting to see their approach. And I, I read about this a little bit in interviews, but now I really understand what they were saying, where 
everything from the original game is here but then they're filling in gaps between the screens because in that first game you know it was always like you're in a locked perspective with like um a 2d like hand-drawn background and your character just walks on it um and then you go like off screen and it loads a new screen and so what this is doing when they turn it into 3d is they made a lot more areas between each screen of the original final fantasy 7 and that gives the characters more time to develop more time to interact it gives you more places to explore and things that you haven't seen but even though you're like going through this first reactor you see all of the things that you would expect all of the parts are there but then there's a lot more in between each one too which i thought was super cool and i'm afraid i love the idea of this and i really hope that the game uh expands on it from what we see in the demo because midgar is a very industrial city like it's very monotone in a lot of ways and i know you and i were texting about this the other day this one got samey to me like i don't get turned around in games and i got turned around twice in this one because everything looked the same and for me i'm like i want it to at least have enough character in any given section that I don't think, oh, have I seen this before? I don't know. It looks like the last room. And I'll kind of want that uh, to, I hope that as the game progresses, that you see Midgar having more of a personality than uh, this reactor did. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think it will. I think it'll have to because otherwise it would get boring. But they're right. fleshing out Midgar into just one like game worth of content they're gonna have to give you more variety throughout the whole thing i'm hoping um so we'll see once we get into it and then i know you want to talk about the voice acting too right like i really liked the voice acting the uh i was impressed like you were talking about them filling out the filling out the story and while it goes with the locations i think it also goes with the characters like the the characters jesse and i can't honestly can't remember the other other ones now biggs and wedge and all of them like they felt more real than they ever have in any other Final Fantasy game because they're there and you're listening to them and talking to them the same way that you do in Final Fantasy 15 where you're just wandering around and they're having a conversation and so you learn these characters and you learn their personalities just as you're moving and that works so well for me way better than traditional RPGs where you have to go and talk to each individual party member in each individual room to make sure you get everything um i really like that the way that they do it with the voice acting so there's a ton of voice acting in it um the only one i wish would be quiet is barrett like he is the worst if he never speaks again it's going to be way too soon and i'm really hoping that i can cut him out of my game as quickly as possible uh when i start playing it with other party members and that uh outside of major story sequences i never see him again yeah i'd be okay with that too i don't i don't think they nailed barrett with the voice acting Mm -hmm. and with the uh the writing of him as a character but yeah everyone else i liked a lot i already like the characterization that they're adding to all the characters that weren't in your party in the main game so like you said like jesse biggs wet wedge all of them um so i'm excited to see what they do with those as a character but yeah i I mean i like the voice acting i like the characterization and overall just like the demo brought my hype level up from where it was and i was already excited i i think i was trying to set my expectations accordingly to like what what i thought it would be um and not get overhyped and i did a good job of that because i played the demo 
and it made my hype go up instead of down. So right. I feel like I was properly calibrated here. I'm more excited, even though I was already excited. Um, but I don't feel like it's going to be the be all end all best game ever like that either. But I am really excited to play through it and see what it has to offer. But uh, yeah. where did you land on it? Because you were almost not going to buy it, right? Yeah, I had actually canceled my pre-order, uh, hadn't planned on buying it at release, and waiting until you, uh, Austin, if he ended up playing it, and he hated the demo, so he's not going to play it now, um, and a few other people beat it, or at least got into it, to tell me whether or not it was worth picking up for launch day price, because I think... Uh, Part of it is because I think Final Fantasy VII is overhyped. It's a good game, but I think it lands solid in the middle of the range for me for Final Fantasies. And so for it to get a remake, I'm just like, man, I don't care. And so the more I saw it being a Nomura game, I was just like, man, this looks like a Nomura game. And I got less excited. And every video they released looks so samey. I'm just like, I don't, I don't care. I'm going to buy it now, though. I played it, and it has more personality than I thought it would based on the cinematics. It's not as slow and trudging as the cinematics and video made it look out to be. The gameplay videos made it look out to be. And uh, generally, I am... I'm going to say I'm cautiously optimistic about this, um, but we'll see how they how they pull this one off with it being split into three parts. With the way they handle Final Fantasy XV and the story releases and the way that they've done that, I'm not very hopeful i'm not very optimistic about the way that they're going to handle this being split into three but i would rather it be split into three than get something like happened with xeno gears back in the day when disc two is just a rush job that doesn't get nearly the the quality it deserves i'm actually i'm really excited for the other parts of this like this right. first part um i think it will live up to my expectations but what i'm hoping happens is that when they do part two or three or four or whatever they end up doing um i one of the reasons that i think i'm setting my expectations correctly is because i played final fantasy 7 not that long ago right when i played right. through every final fantasy game in order and that reminded me of how rough that game is around the edges and i think people have really rose-colored glasses on for that absolutely um in a way that I don't anymore because I played it more recently. And honestly, the story of Final Fantasy VII is not clear in the main game. No. It, it is because I have played every mainline Final Fantasy game, like every one. I think that Final Fantasy VII has the worst translation of any of them. Like hmm. it's it's just so rough and it does not explain things that it should explain. And if you go read a plot summary afterwards, you go, wait, that's what was happening the whole time? When did that? Yeah. Yeah, and so this gives them a chance to redo it and put a ton of resources into it. I think this is going to be like the definitive way to get the story from now on, even if it's right. not the best gameplay compared to the original. That's okay, because this is their second shot at doing the story correctly, and I'm excited for that. I'll give you that, that they've already established that this story is going to be much more in-depth and uh, nuanced than the original was, just because of the way that, and I hate to say it, the way that Barrett was talking about the Mako, and, would, and they pronounced it Mako in this instead of Mako, like I think everyone in the world except for the Japanese has pronounced it, uh, so it's now pronounced Mako apparently, and it's like talking about it being the planet's lifeblood and life force and everything, and it's like while that got in Final Fantasy 7 it was definitely a big part of it it set it up so early and the way that they're handling this and why they're doing all of this was just immediate and it's like okay this is they're actually going to take this story and do something with it and say something with it this time yeah I'm excited for that but I mean like you said with like the Final Fantasy 15 DLC I mean that kind of 
leads nicely into the other thing I did this week, which was finally got around to playing the Final Fantasy XV <laughs> DLC. And it's because I've been playing Game Pass games. I know we're going to do an episode on Game Pass sometime here. It's just kind of an evergreen topic we have sitting there waiting. Um, but right now you can get the Final Fantasy XV Royal Edition on Game Pass, which is, well, not free, but if you're paying for Game Pass like I am, right. you just get it. And um, I didn't want to replay all of Final Fantasy XV on a new platform because I have a new game plus that I've done like everything in on PlayStation. But it was the perfect chance to go and play all the DLCs without having to pay any more money. So I played all of them, right? And they were, I'm glad that I didn't pay money for most of them, I think is the main thing I walked away with. Because mm. a lot of them are like, what if Final Fantasy XV, but one little tweak to it? So mm. episode Gladio is like, what if Final Fantasy XV, but a series of melee battle challenges? And then Prompto uh. is like the same idea, except what if Final Fantasy XV was a third person shooter? Um, and those are okay, they're fine. Um, the Arden one is like, what if you finally got to dive in deep on the backstory of the main antagonist of the game, kind of the main villain of the game, if you want to view him that way. And I always thought that Arden was the most sympathetic villain, but even more so now that I've played the DLC and you get to actually see some of his backstory. um, It's really good. It's not necessary for the main game. You don't need the backstory, but I thought it did a good job of fleshing him out as a character. And so I'm glad that I got to experience that. And then, yeah, that's the one I'm looking forward to the most. Like I haven't gone back and played these. I started prompto and then I just wasn't in the mood for it when I actually started. I was like, yep, just not in uh, final fantasy 15 mood. So I didn't go back to any of them, but I'm really looking forward to getting to Arden. And it's, I'm glad to know that the, you're about to talk about Ignis and uh, the notes that you have. That's the other one I want to play the most. Those were my two favorite characters i mean prompto was great which is why i started with him but ignis was like great and so i cannot wait to see his story yeah and so like arden was the one i was the most excited for um i also tried comrades which is just bad just don't avoid that i didn't try it like why was it so bad like i have not read why it's bad i just know that it is it's like if they did the lowest hanging fruit version of a multiplayer like hack or add-on to Final Fantasy 15 and just repurpose assets and then they send you out on these missions with no context and no real story and mm. it's rough around the edges and it almost has some like MMO tendencies but in the bad kind of PS2 era <laughs> way of like fantasy star online but not good um it, I don't even know how to describe it it's just not it's not a good game the structure of it is fundamentally bad (laughs) like gotcha so i didn't like that at all but the one i'm saving for last purposefully is episode ignis because all of the other ones they like fleshed out the story and i'm glad to have played them because now i have that context but none of it was needed and ignis um they break a lot of these into like multiple chapters or like multiple you know like pieces or portions or whatever and so episode ignis has i think it's three chapters and chapter one and two are fine they add stuff to the story just like everybody else's but chapter three there's this part of ignis's story that 100 percent should have been in the main game and it should not be dlc and i can't believe that this got cut from the main story of the main game if there is one DLC to play out of all of these, it is episode Ignis for that extra context. And it adds so much to him as a character. It is like his pivotal character development point of the entire game. And it also adds a bunch of 
extra information that I feel like it would have helped me if I if I had that information while I was playing through the first time to actually understand more about um, like Luna Freya and her brother and how they're related to um, Noctis and how right. all of those like political ramifications were happening, which I don't think I really understood the first time through the game. But if you had put this last piece of the Ignis DLC in the main game, I would have gotten it. And oh, so that's the other piece of it. Um, he also does really cool stuff that I don't really want to spoil, but I guess it's also been out for a long time. But I know you're going to play it, so I won't tell you. Um, I'm going to play it and I'm going to I'm going to ask you not to spoil it. Not for me, but because of Capsule J. He was talking on Discord about uh, playing through it right now and being afraid to listen to the Final Fantasy 15 part of this episode when I would mentioned that's what we're doing this week uh, because of spoilers. So so if that's the only spoiler, I was like, hold that one and I'm going to get to these probably relatively soon i will hold it but so if anybody out there has been waiting on the final fantasy 15 dlc like i was um it's a great time to grab it on game pass or if you've been kind of going oh what am i missing out on what should i really play and you have a ps4 copy or whatever copy and you want to pay for it um i think episode ignis is the one to buy if you want all of the story content um because it it fleshes out the most now there are places online that you can look up where these stories take place mid narrative and I've known people I think Jay's one of them who is stopping the main game and loading up the DLC to play it where it should have been in the main narrative so uh, like I know Prompto's is about mid game before the game hits rails and uh, so you can stop at a certain point go play episode prompto and then go back to your main game and you'll have way more context for the overall rest of the story yeah yeah it's cool um so you know it's a mixed bag but like i said they're on game pass right now it's a good chance to go play them if you haven't um yeah i think that's that's our final fantasy for today uh if you guys want to support the podcast before we jump to Weekly Geekery, you can always go check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash geekcast. Everything you subscribe to or contribute or help with one time or recurring, it all helps the podcast. It all goes right back into hosting costs and expanding the network and all that. And then we also have the network. There's tons of stuff around the network, right? Uh, you know, we, we do have a ton of stuff. Uh, more is coming every single week. We're working on making that site kind of a hub of geeky fun for y'all. We're working on TV, uh, movies, and gaming reviews uh we've got the live streaming uh we've got blogs and also the slack and the slack and discord and reddit discussions uh you should definitely go over to geek to geekmedia.com see all the new original content and check out uh, geek to geekmedia.com slash subscribe and you can get it emailed to you uh every day pretty much yeah there's there's stuff coming out all the time um and with that time for weekly geekery where we share what we've been geeking out about this week what have you been up to so I watched Bonding on Netflix. Um, this is not a show for children. Um, it is about a it, it is a dark comedy, very short. It's like six episodes maybe, and they're about fifteen to twenty minutes long each. Uh, but it's a, a dark comedy about uh, two high school friends who work as a dominatrix and assistant, and uh, in New York, and it is. 
way better than I thought it would be. I started watching this because I saw Darcy Carden on uh, the the Netflix like preview card, and she plays uh, Janet on on Good Place, and so I really like that actress. And so I started watching this, and then I ended up binging this over the next day of just see when I had like had lunch hours because it was super short, and it is way more entertaining than I thought. If you are like I said, not a uh, definitely not a show to watch with kids, but it is a very very good show. I liked it a lot, but it is obviously fairly vulgar. Um, and then other than that, I've actually played a bit of Dragon Quest Ten on the Switch, the one that we never got in the uh, United States. Oh wow, how'd you do that? So Austin really wanted to. Like Austin, you know, was crazy about Dragon Quest. And uh that's why his website is dragonquestaustin.com. Um that like he did a how-to post on Geek to Geek Media um on how to set it up on Nintendo Switch for free. So they removed the IP ban last year, I think, for America. So if you're in the United States or Japan, you can play Dragon Quest X. I'm sorry, the rest of the world, you can't, uh, but that without a VPN. Um, but he set it up because all you have to have on the Switch is a Japanese Switch account. Uh, so you can just register for a new user on the Switch, make a new account with a new email, put the region as Japan, and then go download Dragon Quest X off the eShop onto your American Switch and even play it under your American uh Username that you have everything else attached to. Uh, so he put up a post on that on uh, Geek Teague Media, and it did super well. Like people on Facebook found it, and people were like, "Yeah, let's do this." Um, because basically, the entire first game 1.0 is out for free. Uh, you can play it with no online subscription or anything outside of Nintendo Online. Um, and part of 2.0, like the second expansion, is out. Um, they're basically a, an extended free trial. Um, everything's still in. Japanese, but uh, you can make your way through it fairly easily because of how ridiculously animated Dragon Quest characters tend to be. They're very, I mean, they're Toriyama art, so it's, you know, cartoony anime stuff, and so you know what's going on a lot of times, and there are some great... um, there's some great tutorials out there on YouTube that walk you through it and people who have translated it and just made walkthroughs for it. So if you get confused on what to do where, it is very straightforward and easy to play. And like you can go through the prologue. You absolutely don't need to know Japanese on how to do it. I barely had to look anything at all up. Um, and we have a post on it on Geek to Geek Media that came out today. Um, but it's it's been a lot of fun. I was actually playing it when you messaged me to uh, that you were ready to start recording today. I had uh, created my character as an ogre, uh, kind of the red looking demon people, and was had logged in and played it uh, some and like. I was really curious when I originally started playing on what the combat was like because Dragon Quest does not have like combat that would necessarily translate into something like Final Fantasy 14. I couldn't imagine them doing like hot bar combat and that's because they didn't. Combat is still menu based and turn based. Like you uh, go into enemies and you and your party have the attack and magic uh, equipment menus come up. You are choosing from a 
from your your spell lists, all of that kind of thing. And the only difference is that if you wait too long, it's not even like an ATB kind of thing. It's just that if you wait too long, the enemy will go ahead and take their next turn. So you can't just sit there and pause the uh, the entire MMO battle by not taking your action. But I'm enjoying this a lot. Like I know Austin's gotten further. I know that uh, we have talked to some people on Twitter who have done it really, really extensively. Um, and it's just, it's really interesting being able to play a game that people have wanted in the U.S. for over 10 years now and finally can. Like, we can actually play it now, not even having to spoof a VP, spoof our location with a VPN, anything like that. It's like we can just log in and play, and that is awesome. That's awesome. That's really cool that you guys were able to figure out how to do it and then kind of take it and run with it from there. Yeah, we're going to be doing actually a lot of Dragon Quest X content on the website, like showing off what it is, uh, what what is going on for people who don't want to play a game in Japanese, uh, probably some podcasts and stuff talking about it too. But it's really, really cool. It's made me honestly uh, really excited for Fantasy Star Online 2 to come out when it's fi- it's finally getting localized. Uh, so I'm very excited for that one now because of how much I like this kind of MMO, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. That's awesome. Um, I, I don't know. I didn't do a ton this week outside of like the Final Fantasy stuff I talked about. That was kind of my geekery. But right. um, I did watch Waking Sleeping Beauty, which is a documentary. Have you ever seen that one? I've not seen it, but I have noticed it, I guess. It's one of those that I'm going to watch. Okay, so, I mean, I have, you know, the Disney podcast where we listen to, it's called Disney Forever, if you guys are unaware, where Katie and I are trying to watch through every Disney movie ever. Um, And so this is a, a documentary that one of our listeners recommended, and it's really interesting. It's like an inside look at the Disney animation studios as they kind of fell out of favor for live action and went into this period of like not making a lot of movies, not making great movies, having really weird business things happen to them, and then how they came out of that. And mm. kind of the Disney renaissance, right? Which really kicked off with like The Little Mermaid and then into the rest of the 80s and 90s when they had that like Disney renaissance golden era type of thing going on. Um, right. So like Aladdin came out of there. Lion King is like one of the last ones from that era. But that kind of movie and how they got from the old style to that style with a lot of issues in the middle, um, you know, and how they like almost got killed off as a department, which is super, super fascinating. Yeah, when I saw that on the, what was it, the, uh, it's not Finding Neverland, I can't remember, the Imagineers, uh, I don't know what in the world is making me think of that, but the the Imagineering story, uh, when they mentioned that animation almost got shut down, I'm like, say what? How, how, what? But that's what Disney does. It really blew my mind that that was something that could happen. That yeah. almost happened. That was on its way to happening. So if you're interested in that and you want to see kind of maybe not the full story, but a lot of the story, um, Waking Sleeping Beauty is a really good documentary for it. Um, and then another thing I did this last week is I listened to Dooku Lost, which is okay. I don't actually know if it's a book. It might only be an audiobook because it was like hmm. um, a full character kind of like it. You can tell that it was written for audio. You know, okay. so th- there might be a written format out there, but sometimes you get onto like an audible original and you can tell that it was made for audio to be listened to because it's like a full yep. cast recording and they don't have all the filler words or narrator in the same way. You know, it's oh, more yeah. from a character's yep. perspective and you just get a lot more like natural back and forth dialogue. Um, and that was this one. And 
it dooku lost is really interesting because it really feels like they're trying to wrap up the prequel trilogy um and like the prequel trilogy's expanded universe they're trying to tie a bow on that in the new star wars canon because that's one of the few things that they carried over from the old canon was like clone wars and um you know rebels and a couple of the animated shows and so they're trying to fill in some of the gaps there um and a lot of the recent novels touch on that time period and like clone wars just came back out that's in the middle of releasing its last season and Mm -hmm. it's interesting because this is the first dooku story that i've ever really liked um which is kind of surprising and it works well as the full cast audio drama but because it feels like they're trying to like tie a bow on some of these like lingering plot threads i really think that some of the last few books i've read that are from this era are them trying to wrap it up so that they can move on to something completely new and i had that feeling and then a couple weeks ago they announced the high republic era and the plans for that and it's all Mm -hmm. extended universe it's comics it's books it's like Oh, it's like now in hindsight, I see that that's exactly what they were doing. They were trying to, you know, clean up some of the dangling plot threads from that era so that they can move on and do something completely new in a completely new era disconnected from the movies. Yep. And so that they can finally lose some of the baggage. I mean, yes. I love Star Wars. We we have we both are nuts about this 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 property but with the new republic not the new republic the high republic that new world that they're creating is finally going to be completely and totally separate from all of the baggage that the rest of the star wars universe has you're not having to tie together all of the different creators over the last 40 years you're going to at least have a team of creators who are making one thing together and i look forward to that so much because I like the new sequels. I really think these movies are are enjoyable. They're uh, they're great. But I'm excited for these because I think this is where they're going to really shine to see what Disney can do with this property. Yeah, I agree. I'm really excited to see what they do with the High Republic. And if they just leave it an expanded universe thing, that would not be the worst thing in the world. You don't have to make a movie in every era that you have defined. You could leave High Republic for video games and books and novels and TV shows, and you would be just fine. And that might be what they need. I mean, some of my favorite Star Wars stories came out of when they did that the first time around, before Disney took them over and wiped out the old canon. Um, So I'm super excited to see what they do with kind of this fresh playground that they can play in. Did the announcement not say there were going to be movies? No. I thought that they did. Nope. No, they specifically said, like, no movies announced yet. They didn't say no movies ever, but everything that was announced was, like, a book or a comic at this point. And so no video games yet, no movies announced. Um, They might be in the future. But as of right Right. now, it looks like they're really trying to just, like, set a new baseline that they can build on for the expanded universe. Yeah. I gotcha. I just couldn't remember. I didn't think... I couldn't remember them saying no movies, but okay, I see what you're, you're saying now. I got you. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of it for our geekery this week. Um, as always, you guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have some great discussions on Slack, Reddit, and Discord. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. And while you're there, make sure to check out all the other content on the network. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast where we watch and react to hopefully every Disney movie at some point, but we do one a week as of right now. 
And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beege. That's Beege with two E's. And you can listen to me even more on the Dragon Quest FM podcast, where I will surely be geeking out about Dragon Quest X even more. <laughs> awesome. Uh, we've been Void Beege with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, everybody. Thank you.